this morning, let me catch you up to date on where we are, okay? We're in this series called Love Like Jesus, okay? And in this series, what we're doing is we've been focusing on the great commandments. So you know what? Let's just go back and let's start there. Matthew 22, somebody comes up to Jesus and here's what it says. It says, they asked him, teacher, Jesus, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And y'all know this story, right? Jesus replied, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And then the second one is equally important. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus right here, he boils it all down for us. He takes it to the basics. He gets us back to the basics. And he says, listen, if it could all come down to one thing, it's love. Right? Love is so important. Everything else that you do as a Christ follower, everything that it means to live out your faith in God, it all hinges on how you love. Can you love? Will you love like Jesus? And so we've been talking about that. Like, what does it mean to love like Jesus and how to love well in our day-to-day interactions, right? So the first week, we broke it down and we said, what is love? Like, we, you know, um, we just defined it. And then the next week, we talked about why love is important. Like, why is it so important that we love every... I mean, can I just love God? Isn't that what's most important? Why is it so important that I love other people? So we explained that. And then last week, we talked about... Listen, we got real practical last week. And we said, one of the ways that you can love well and love like Jesus is by the words and the encouragement that you give, right? You want the direction of your life to go um, in a certain way, send your words in that way. Send your words in that direction. So we talked about the power of words and how our words have the power of life and death, Scripture said. How important that is. Now today, that leads us to today. Again, this is not an usual sermon, so to speak. This is kind of like a teaching moment. I'm going to get very practical again today, and I want to teach you some of the things that I learned, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the love chapter in the Bible, Okay, do y'all know what the love chapter is? 1 Corinthians 13, y'all know this? Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to start here. Um, a lot of y'all probably, if you're, you know, you might have had this read at your marriage ceremony, love is chapter. But in the middle of that chapter, it says this. It says, love is not easily angered. Okay, love is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Okay, so with that verse as our guide today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this little guy right here. Okay, how many of y'all know who this guy is? Y'all seen Inside Out? Okay, you know the anger emoji? Okay, we all have this little guy in our minds, in our lives, right? Um, We all have him running around wanting to take over. So why bring this guy up in the middle of a series on love? Because this this has a lot to do with whether or not we can love like Jesus. Because here's what we got to do. We really got to understand this emotion, okay? Because so many times we let this guy gain control, right? We let him take over. And when we do, we keep him. It can keep us from loving like Jesus, right? So let me start here. I think that anger can be misunderstood at times. Just like I said last week, anger isn't a sin. A lot of people think that. Anger, this guy, is just an emotion. And it's something that we all have. All of us experience anger. Even your preacher experiences anger. Even your preacher's wife 
experiences anger. Let me tell you what I mean by that before I get myself in trouble. Um, a couple weeks back, you remember I told you a story about how we all got in trouble for taking pictures and we almost got kicked out of the state capitol, you remember, or the uh, na- national, uh, to the capitol building. So anyway, another story, taking pictures, where we kind of got in trouble. And last story, all of us got in trouble but Shannon. But this story, Shannon gets in trouble. So it's one of my favorite stories. Um, we had a chance a little while back. Our daughter, Savannah, was asked to sing in a choir at the Fox Theater with Sarah Brightman. Do y'all know who Sarah Brightman is? How many of y'all know who Sarah Brightman is? Okay, so we got a few. Everybody else that doesn't know who Sarah Brightman is, I didn't either. So let me, let me tell you who she is. She is the Phantom of the Opera singer. Okay, so she's the opera lady that made Phantom uh, famous, and she's got other stuff. But she's worldwide renowned, right? And all these awards, was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber, or all this stuff. So anyway, uh, big deal. Like, Savannah is singing at the Fox. I've never sung at the Fox. Have y'all ever sung at the Fox? I've never sung. So it's a big deal, right? So we're there, and we're really excited. We got our tickets. We're beaming parents. And we're sitting in the crowd, and we're watching her perform up there. But we could not take any pictures. And the reason we couldn't take any pictures is because they made a big deal about it, which I don't understand. I don't get it. But they said that if you get caught taking pictures, they will kick you out, basically. And they had security guys, like, walking up and down the aisles. So it was really weird. So we're not taking any pictures. We're not taking pictures, even though we really want to take some pictures. At the end of the concert, after two and a half hours of not taking pictures, and when everybody stood to applaud at the very conclusion, the security guy walked past me. And I ran around him, and I ran up the aisle, and I hit rapid burst on my phone, just walking the whole way. But Shannon, I left Shannon totally behind. Shannon stands up, and she didn't see the security guy. She raises up her phone to take a picture, and the security guy comes immediately over to her and says, ma'am, you can't take pictures. And Shannon's like, sir, my daughter's in the choir. I've been waiting two and a half hours to take these pictures. And I came back just in time to hear the security guard tell Shannon, if you take any pictures, I'm going to have to escort you out. And I saw this little guy turn into this little guy in 1.2 seconds, right there. I saw it happening. Like, I could see security guys in front of me. His back is to me, and Shannon is just like, I can see it, and I'm like, dude, don't poke the bear. We're all, this is going to go bad for everybody, right? But so to calm this, I'm like, Shannon is going to get escorted out of this place. That's what's going to happen. So to calm everything down, I looked, I looked over, and I whispered over the guy's shoulder, I got pictures. And when I did, he turned around, and I was like, who said that? I was like, somebody is taking pictures, sir. You better go see on that. <laughs> but I did get a picture. Here's a picture of it right there. There it is. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. How dare you tell me not to take a picture of my daughter, right? How many of y'all, be honest. Now, let me see a raise of hands. How many of y'all would be, had gotten angry if somebody told you, yeah, you'd get angry, right? And I would say, I would venture to say that that is an appropriate response, right? You, you, not letting me take a picture of a big moment in my child's eyes, you know, in my child's life. Sometimes anger is very appropriate, right? There are times that it's the evidence of love. Like if someone hurts somebody that you're close to, right? Somebody tells you not to take pictures, right? I would get angry, and if you didn't get angry, probably say that you didn't really love very well. 
So the opposite of love isn't necessarily anger. What I think the opposite of love is is actually apathy, where you just don't care anymore, right? That, that seems to make more sense. And truth be told, if you never get angry, then you're not really human because it's an emotion that we all have, right? It's from God. God gave us this emotion. So if we all acknowledge that we have anger at times, then maybe we acknowledge that we might need to manage it a little bit. And if you don't think you struggle with anger from time to time, let me give you these statistics. I read this a little while back. And I read in this article, it says that the average woman loses her temper three times a week, okay? And the average man loses, no comments from the crowd, please. And the average man loses his temper, what do y'all think, more or less? More. Six times a week. How many of y'all thought it would have been higher than that? That's child's play. Some of y'all are like, I'm 10 at least. <laughs> right? This is a daily basis. Um, women tend to get more angry at people. Men tend to get more angry at things. Like my stupid car battery that went dead last week, right? Like those types of things, right? Here's a good one. You're more likely to express anger in the home than anywhere else. And I think that's because that's where your children are. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. We love our kids. We love our kids. My point is this. Listen, my point is this. We all get angry. The problem isn't necessarily anger. The problem is the response. And is our response... Are we loving like Jesus? Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? And again, the reason this is important during this season or during this message series is because we got to learn to manage this. Because if we learn to manage this, man, it makes for good relationships, good marriages, good churches, great leaders, when we know how to put anger in its proper place. And if we don't, well, then we can't love well. We don't love like Jesus. So... I want to share some insight from the Bible. The Bible actually has a lot to say when it comes to this topic and what to do with our anger, right? Or those moments that make us angry, that get us fueled up. So let's turn to Scripture and let's see what we can learn, what's appropriate and what's not. So Anger Management 101, if you've got your message notes and want to fill in some blanks and um, follow along with me. Uh, for those of y'all that are new, message notes are in the back. When you come in, you can just grab one on your way in. To the service, for everybody that's online, man, we're so glad that you're with us today. You can find those message notes on the app, and you can follow along. Here's what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to resolve to manage it. Number one, got to resolve to manage it. And what I mean by that is you got to stop saying, I can't control it. Okay, stop that. Stop saying, I can't control it. And start realizing that you can. Stop making excuses for letting it get the best of you. We got to realize that our emotions are a choice that we make, just like last week we said James. James said our words. Our words are a choice, right? Do we want our words to be salty or do we want them to be refreshing, right? When you get angry and you react, you're choosing that response. And, and let's be honest, nobody can make you angry, okay? We're always saying things like, oh, that person makes me so angry. No, uh-uh, you can't say that. Nobody can make you mad or angry without your permission. It is your choice. In fact, I'll prove this to you. Here's how you know it's a choice that you make. See if this is true for you. This, this happens all the time. But a good example is when you're in a heated discussion at home, okay, and you're so upset and your, your voice and your frustration, and in the middle of everything, you get a phone call. 
Okay, but in the middle of this moment, man, you got this grand display of all your emotion, and you're so upset with your tone, and you're breathing hard, and your face is all scrunched up, and you're making this terrible face. And when you get that phone call, you you realize I got to take this call. So you're like, "How are you doing? How are your children? Are they good?" Like y'all know that happens, right? You've done that. I've done that. We all do that. Well, what does that show? We we shows that we're in control of it. That we can turn it off and turn it on. We turn it off because we don't want to get embarrassed by it. Right? So, let's go to the Bible for guidance. Proverbs 29.11 says this. Foolish people, what they do is they lose their tempers. They lose control of it. But wise people, they control theirs. The control part means that it's a choice. It's a responsibility. When I get angry, I'm choosing how I express it. So, what if we did this instead? What if we resolved to not let anger get the best of us? Could we do that? Is that even possible? What that means, and what I mean by that, is we make the decision ahead of time. And here's why that's important. It's because the time to make the decision isn't in the middle of the moment when everything is just boiling out of control and your blood pressure is rising and your adrenaline is shooting through your veins. At that point, you've already lost it, right? You've already lost that battle. Decision's already been made, right? What would it mean to resolve to manage it ahead of time? For example, when I'm going into that meeting, and I know this is going to be a tough meeting, and you don't understand these people that I work with, and you don't know what they're asking of me, or they say, what if we resolved ahead of time? What if before I walked into the home, at the end of a long day, and I know it's going to be chaos, and I know supper, and I know homework, and I know mess, and all that... We made that decision ahead of time. What about before you make the phone call? Right? I know why that person's calling me. And I know what this is about. What if, what if we choose ahead of time and we resolve to manage it? And we say, you know what? I know this is going to get me. And I know this has a tendency to explode that little guy in my life. But I'm going to choose to love like Jesus. Like I'm going to choose to not let it get the best of me. Can we do that? And then point number two, I think that would help us, is to remember the cost. Remember the cost. When you take a minute and remember the cost of uncontrolled anger of what comes out of you and what it may cost you, you're more likely to control it, right? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a getting in trouble for speeding when I was younger. You know, I had that time in my life, man, where I got... You know, some tickets when I was like 18 years old. And, you know, it kind of, you know, tickets were expensive in the city and the county that I was in. It was like 60 to 80 bucks, whatever, when I got a ticket. But, you know, I had a job. I didn't have any real responsibilities. So I just paid the ticket and not tell my parents, you know. But, and then later on, I got caught speeding in Atlanta. And the ticket for that one was like $250. So from that point on, I was driving Miss Daisy. I slowed down. And you know why? Because I remembered the cost. The cost of it is just too much. It's not worth it. And I think the same thing with anger. You're less likely to get angry if you remember there's always an extreme high price to pay. Again, let's go back to Scripture. This is what Scripture teaches us. It's always a high price. Proverbs 29, 22 says this. A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets in all kinds of trouble. 
And then in Proverbs 14, it says this. People with a hot temper, what do they do? They do foolish things. Wise people remain calm. Scripture is full of examples of this. All these verses are saying, and what Scripture teaches us, is that it's just foolish to lose our reputation, to lose our respect, to lose our job, to lose the love of a family member, to lose your health because your body is not meant to carry around all the baggage of anger and resentment, right, and stress and anxiety. These are all the things that we need to give over to God, which is what we're going to talk about in just a minute. But there are so many ways that it costs us. In fact, if you keep letting anger get the best of you, let me, get, let me give you some ways that it costs in your relationship. Here's three things that happen. When you lose it and you continue to get angry with people, number one is you get anger in return, okay? That's what's going to happen. You get angry with somebody, they're going to get angry back, okay? Anger just leads to more anger. And then the second thing is if you keep getting angry, is they're just going to turn apathetic. They're just not going to care anymore. It's obviously too hard. I can't please you. I don't know what this moment is all about. I don't understand this, so I'm just not going to care anymore. And then if you keep getting angry, then it leads to alienation. It just leads to separation, right? The relationship is broken, and they pull away. This is why we think of that verse in Proverbs. It says, people with hot tempers, you know, that, that don't control, man, they do foolish things. So, again, first thing is we've got to resolve to manage it ahead of time. Don't wait till you're in the moment. When you're walking into that situation, just make, make, make a resolute right then. Like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make, make a decision here that I'm not going to let this get the best of me. The second thing is we've got to do is we've got to remember the cost. It will always cost us something. And let me give you the third thing. The third thing we've got to do, we've got to reflect before reacting. We've got to reflect before reacting. And here's what I mean by that. Just push pause. Just push pause. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. And this is just like what we talked about last week with James. If we have a minute to think about the words that, are, that we're going to say, then we have a minute to control our emotions. Again, let's go to Scripture. And I love the way the Good News Translation does Proverbs 29.11. It says this, Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people, they're patient, and they hold it back. I love that. If you just focus on that word patient, I, I, I would venture to say that every one of you are just like me, and if we all said, if we could grow a little bit more in an area of our life, it would be with our patience. I know I need it. I know I need help being patient at times, just in life, and especially when it comes to the things that make me angry. The times that I've gotten in most trouble is when I haven't been patient. In fact, I have a little rule that I'll share with you. My rule is I have a 24-hour rule. I don't respond to anything that makes me upset for 24 hours, right? I, I want to give some time not to rush into that situation. And the times that I have gotten myself into most trouble is when I didn't abide by that rule. I like Thomas Jefferson. He once said, when you're angry, count to 10. And if you're really angry, count to 100. I like that. Patience. Patience. I heard somebody else once say that I can't put my foot in my mouth if my mouth is closed. The more I learn to push pause and wait, the better the situation becomes. 
How about this? Let me, let me give you a few things to think about in the delay. When you push pause and you're being patient and this situation is quickly becoming out of control, ask yourself these questions. Three simple questions. Why, what, and how? Okay. When you're in that delay and you've chosen to just push pause, ask yourself, why? Why is this happening? Like, do I really understand what's going on here? Get wisdom, right? The more you understand, the more understanding you will be. So maybe start there. Why am I so upset about this, right? What do I really want in this situation? Like, what's going on? Like, what do I, is it possible that I'm being selfish? Is it possible part of this is me? If it is, then maybe I need to confess that. But when I ask that question, what do I really want? If, If there is something that I really need, In this situation, then you move to the third. How? How am I going to get what I feel like I need? Because I guarantee you when you get to that third question, how do I express this? How do I get what I need out of this? You'll realize that anger is not the answer. That will prevent anything positive from happening, right? So just a few things to think about when you're being patient. So we got to resolve to control it. We got to remember the cost. We got to reflect before we act. Now I told you today is a is a different kind. It's more like of a teaching session. And then the fourth thing is here. Here's the fourth point. We got to release my anger appropriately. We got to release anger appropriately. And the reason for that is because there's a right way and a wrong wrong way. There's an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. There's a helpful way and a harmful way. I think you get the picture. And again, anger's not wrong. The Bible says God is angry. That God gets angry, I should say. What does God get angry about? You know what? You know what angers him? Injustice. When we neglect to care for others. Uh, you know what else angers him? Is when we turn from him and worship other things. When we're unfaithful in our commitments. Like those things, those things anger God. They're, again, anger is not a sin, but How we release it sometimes is, and we've got to talk about the appropriate way. So let's go back to Scripture. In Ephesians 4.26, I like the way the message puts this. He says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. It's okay. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge, and don't stay angry. Now focus on the last part. Don't stay angry. Okay, we got to release it. So how do we release our anger? Okay, and there's this misconception out there when it says don't stay, stay angry. A lot of people will say, well, in order to not stay angry, I just got to let it out. And if I just let it out, then I'm sorry. If I say bad things or if I yell or if I seem this way, then I'm sorry because I just got to get this off my chest. And it is what it is. And this is how God made me, right? So I just got to let it go. The problem with that is that it's been proven that anger only increases more anger. It only leads to more anger in your own life, especially, well, especially in the person that you're angry with, but in your own life, the more anger you produce, the angrier you're going to become. And it's just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. That is not an appropriate response. Again, you can control this. It is a choice. So, what does work? Let me give you two things not to do and then one thing to do. Here's what you don't do. Don't suppress it. Don't push it down. Don't bottle it up. It's going to be like a Coke can that you shake up if that happens. And don't express it, like I just said before. And all the ways that we think about expressing our anger are usually wrong. Sarcasm, manipulation, yelling, pouting, all of those don't work. Here's what you do. Confess it. Okay. Here's where we're bringing it to Jesus. 
Here's where we're bringing this emotion to God. And we're laying it at God's feet and saying, God, I need help with this. I'm going to confess it to him, confess what's going on, confess what I need help with. And then not only to God, but maybe confess it to somebody else in your life, maybe a prayer warrior, somebody that can help you in that situation so that they can know, so they can pray with you. And then when we confess it, what we're doing is we're leading all the way to this last point. Here's the last point. We rely on God's help. We're laying it at his feet. God, this emotion, this that I'm feeling towards this person, towards this moment, towards this situation, towards the future, towards the past, whatever it is, God, I have to rely on you. Let me share a good verse with you, Romans 15, 5. It says, may the patience and encouragement that come from God, okay, not from someone else, not from a great teaching, not from this or that, although, you know, counseling and all these things are great, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to put those down. Absolutely, you know, go and get as much wisdom as you possibly can. But the patience and the encouragement we need, where does it come from? comes from God. We got to. We, sometimes, sometimes we look at all these other things in life to help me and we forget the one that is asking for it, that is asking to help us and is the one that can give us the encouragement and the patience that we need. It comes from God. And when we have that, when we lay it at his feet, when we give it over to him, then that's what allows us to live in harmony with each other the way Jesus Christ wants to love like Jesus. You see, we go back to this idea. It's very simple, actually, that the better this relationship is, the better these relationships will be. Okay, the closer I am with God, the closer I'm going to be with you. And anybody in my life that is just pushing my buttons or leading me towards that place that I don't want to go, So think about this for a minute. How close are you to God? How close are you each and every day? Do you do things that will build that relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you taking the time necessary, right, to work on your relationship with Jesus? Because if I want patience and I want encouragement and I want to live in harmony with other people, man, that's my answer. That's what I need. I got to rely on God. It's just like with anything else in life. I've got to rely on God to help me in these situations. See, the, the, the closer I get with God, the more he fills me, the more I'm filled with his love. So much so that when I fill myself more and more of his love, the only thing that comes out of me is his love. Whatever we're filled with, when we're squeezed, that's what's going to come out. You know, I think about this when somebody, when we, we do... We do a lot of infant baptisms in the Methodist church. And sometimes parents are um, really, really kind and they'll feed their babies right before they bring them in. Which is great because I realize like, we don't want a fussy baby that's hungry when they come up. But I also know that I have to be very careful. Because <laughs> I know whatever just went in could possibly come out. And has happened before. It's the same thing with us. You know, whatever we're putting into our system... That tension and pressure that we feel on a continual basis when we're squeezed by this world, when we're squeezed from this person, when we're squeezed in this moment, what kind of reaction do we want to come out of us? And if you want love, you got to know love. 
And the only way to know what love really is is to know God. That's what we've been saying this whole series, right? God is love. The way that we love well, the way that we understand love, the way that we really show and express that love can only come through God because God is the one that is love. See, when God comes into our life, what he wants to do, and what we always invite him in, we invite him into our heart, right? God knows that this is where everything starts, your emotions, right? Your, everything that you're dealing with, man, it's all coming out of your heart. So Jesus, we invite you into our heart to change us and to make us into a new person. And God begins the process of cleansing and removing those things from our life when we lay it at his feet, when we rely on him so that he can fill more of our heart with his love. This is what King David knew. And King David knew that the only thing, what he needed the most help with in loving well, he says this in the 51st Psalm, he says, create in me a clean heart, is what he says. Because he knew this is, this is where the work needs to be done. Maybe that's what we pray for today. Jesus, I want to rely on you. Work on my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Fill me more with your presence so that I can love like Jesus. Let's pray for that now. God, God is so true that we get angry so often in this life. We get angry too with the people that we're closest to, that we love the most. And the reason we do that, God, is because Sometimes we just forget. We forget to come to you. We forget to confess it to you. We forget to rely on you for patience and encouragement. God, help us not to turn just to everybody else or just to other things in life, but to come to you, to come to the source of love. Help us to rely on you and to fill our lives with your presence. And God, I know that there are certain people here probably today that just are dealing with things and they're dealing with some emotions that seem to get the best of us sometimes whether it's from work or family or friends or situations whatever that may be God help us Jesus I just pray that you would help us deal with the hurt deal with the frustration deal with the insecurity whatever it may be God help us to have the hope and the healing that only come from you Lord, we want to be filled more with you so that we can have your peace, your joy, and your love. Create in us, God, a clean heart. We love you. We give you everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.